Welcome back to Seaweed Brain, a Percy Jackson podcast. Where we are currently talking about the sun and the star. We have a brand spanking new guest joining us today. And we're going to talk about Nico's guilt over maybe possibly being a murderer questionable we've got some mini quests some birds some satyrs some row 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 your boat stick around guys we're in tartarus it took a while to get here (laughs) but now we're here it did take a while it took a while both in the sense that it's been a lot of chapters we are like a huge part of the way through the book by the time we've actually gone to tartarus but also it took a while in the sense of this is the first time peek behind the curtain that we're recording in like more than a month um oh yeah we're gonna be rusty <laughs> yeah well we just recorded a patreon episode like yesterday we just recorded a patreon episode but those aren't those aren't real those aren't real those are like kikis the dynamic is really different yeah um <laughs> But we're back and we're ready. We're back. We're ready. I'm Erica. <laughs> I am your co-host, joined by Carter, my other co-host. Hi. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> what is that? That's so Raven. Okay. That's definitely Raven. I did not watch that many episodes. You didn't of watch that Disney show. Channel. It's fine. <laughs> we have a brand new guest today. Everybody say hello to Trevor. Hi, Trevor. Hello, hello, everyone. Tell us um why you're here. <laughs> I'm here because I was sent a message asking if I wanted to come on, and I went, yes, yes, please. Trevor is from Percy Jackson Twitter. I am from Percy Jackson Twitter. (laughs) I want to say that Trevor talks to Becky every single day. (laughs) I I talk to her a lot. It's been happening way more recently. I don't know why. I think it's like Stephanie Lurie follows me, and a bunch of like the Rick Rowan Presents authors follow me. So I think it's just... A ma- it's only a matter of time before I before Becky seals the deal. I need her to follow me. Come on, come on, Becky, you come can on, do it. Please, you can do it. Pretty please. I'm really just trying to cherish the, you know, because at some point she's going to be like, it's too toxic for me to be on the internet, and I have to step away. Like that will oh, happen yeah. at some point. So I'm trying to enjoy the like really fun, somewhat chaotic times that are currently like this is a historic period. You know, it, it really won't last is. forever. <laughs> it's not. She really does feel like everybody's mom. Definitely. Yeah. The number of times Luke or someone has gotten like playfully scolded. <laughs> Not even playfully, just yell at sometimes at Becky. It's it's really funny. I, I and think sometimes it's funny Becky apologizes. I'm not too. Yell that. She does. She does. I think I think she likes us. She, she, we're just like in, in, in every teacher group, you know, they have that group of kids that are like chaotic. But they can't help but like him. I think that's us. Yeah, and like we're like we're all collectively spending a bit too much time like in the classroom during recess. Exactly. <laughs> I went to the Atlanta Sun and the Star tour. There were so yeah. many people from Percy Jackson Twitter there. There were two people who flew in from Switzerland in these <gasps> Nico and Will cosplays. Oh, I remember They looked those. so good. They gave me like little like cards with their names on them and Instagram. They they were so cool. Like yeah. their costumes were on point. They met Rick and Mark. Because they saw him before the tour. It was so cool. That's so sweet. And you're planning on going to Chalice of the Gods. I'm going going to Chalice of the Gods, the Austin tour. I will be there by myself. How am I going to get there? (laughs) I don't know yet. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I may have bought tickets for the Portland book tour stop. I may have done that a week ago, and I still don't know how I'm going to get there. But we'll make it work. You just got to pull a Westover. Get Sally Jackson to drive you. 
Oh, Sally. And she would too. If I showed she up would. at her doorstep, she would in a heartbeat. She would be like, "Do you want some cookies and where do I need to drive you?" <laughs> I would be like, "Can I have a hand-me-down dress first though?" No. Okay. Like if she can give Meg something, she could give me something. And it would exactly. be so cute. <laughs> and it would fit your style perfectly. Yeah. So, question for Trevor. Okay. <laughs> you're a you're a if if you don't mind me sharing this much personal information, right? You're a college okay. film student. I am a college film student. Which makes you student. the same breed as every one of our guests ever <laughs> <laughs> tell us who your godly parent is or your you know what what kind of monster you identify as okay demon um, mania i don't know about godly parent but i'm just saying the way station has a lot of open seats and joe and emmy i i would like to be adopted by them please you know Aww. just hang out with them cook meals happily i would happily do chores like it's just such a fun place to live you know yeah i think they'd like you i i hope so i would like i love joe and emmy they're underrated i think absolutely because they're just they're mm-hmm. perfect i love them i want to see them return you know like, oh, even yes, if they just please. show up in like a final if they show up for the reared inverse of madness like you know like like in full-on um endgame style if they walk through like a portal <laughs> My theater will stand up and cheer. You know, yep. I'll be like, yeah, absolutely. I'll freak out. Yeah. Um, okay, great. And do you want to give us like a any kind of background overview on your relationship to specifically like Solangelo? Like, were mm-hmm. you reading like Tower of Nero as it came out? I was reading Trials of Apollo as it came out, and I enjoyed Solangelo. Like, I I really liked them. During Trials of Apollo, during Blood of Olympus, I liked what we had. I didn't start really loving them until this book. Like, this is when I was like, okay, they're fantastic. I, I love them. I don't know if it's on the same level as Persebeth because I don't think anything can reach the high that gave me every single time I read Percy Jackson. Yeah. But it's very, very close. I'd say this and Fierro Chase are one and the same, I think. You know, we haven't really made too many comparisons to mm. Fiero Chase. We haven't thought about them like in, yeah. in context of one another, I feel like, yeah. since maybe I, our I, like mm-hmm. predictions episode. Oh, yeah. I have a whole tangent prepared for a certain part in this book mm-hmm. that when we get to it. Mm-hmm. This is really, because this is, you know, when, when this book opens, they're already together, right? Versus mm-hmm. Fiero Chase is like a true, like, Persebeth style, like, slow burn. Like, slow we burn. don't see them. We don't get to witness them as a couple. Yeah. But much like there is Heroes of Olympus to the original series, I think we could get three more Magnus Chase books where I they're would, kind of I would dragging kill along for three more Magnus identity. Chase books. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to kind I, of see them in a relationship. That would be really fun. I just need more Alex Fierro in my life. Let's get them all. Yeah. Rayorn versus Madness. We need this event right now. <laughs> Rick, Rick, next book tour. You got to announce it, man. Please. Imagine a portal opens up on the reared inverse of Madness battlefield and Joe and Emmy walk out and then another one opens up Blitz and Hearthstone. Like, wow. That would be too much for me. I would would pass out. I would completely lose my mind. It's going to happen. I don't even doubt it. It's just a matter of when. Mm. Um, am I Delulu? Maybe, maybe. I think we can be a little Delulu. We've just, we deserve that. I think Becky says you can be a little Delulu, guys. <laughs> it's not as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Okay. Okay. I think we can we can get into it now. Um, yeah. 
Oh, actually, no, one more thing. Uh, mm. I was joking last week when I said we could just print more money. For, to be clear, <laughs> I know that sarcasm can't always be read in the context of a podcast, but just to be clear, because somebody messaged us about why you can't do that economically. I know. Or do I? My favorite thing to do with any business major I come across is just go, why can't we print more money? And just see how red in the face they get trying to explain it. It's, it's really funny. All right. So we last left off making a skate ramp out of bones to land safely into Tartarus. Nico says, welcome to Tartarus. And then he passes out. So when we flip the page, it's a Will POV bright sunburst design. He's keeping watch while Nico is passed out. We are in his internal monologue as he panics about being in Tartarus here, but he's kind of clinging on to the idea that he brought Kit Kat bars for Nico and that this is something he had the foresight to do as a healer and as a caring boyfriend and that this is going to um, this is gonna be good because he's got the Kit Kat bars and when Nico wakes up and needs them, he's gonna give him the Kit Kat bars. This is on page 297. Exhaustion tugged at the edge of Will's consciousness, but he had to stay awake and he didn't want to wait around doing nothing. He already felt terrible about how much Nico had been forced to look after him in the underworld. Will wasn't used to that. He was the caretaker and the healer. It was literally his job as a child of Apollo. And yet all the powers that made up Will's sense of self were so limited here. This set of chapters that we're talking about today, I should have clarified what we're doing. We're doing 32 through 36. I think we're really going to see kind of a very strong arc for Will in this set of chapters, starting here right now mm -hmm. um, with him really acknowledging to us as the reader his insecurity about being here. Mm -hmm. He's now verbal, you know, verbalizing to us as the readers that he is having a hard time as a healer not being able to be the caretaker in this scenario. He's also noticing what Annabeth said about how hard it is to feel like happiness and positive emotions here. That's really taken us back to House of Hades. And then he remembers that he accused Nico of murder while we were on the river Acheron, which I kind of don't even remember. But that causes him to have a mental breakdown about how disappointed he is in himself. Fragility? No, I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. You called your boyfriend a murderer. That's tough. This yeah. mental breakdown, though, causes him to be like, what if I did something good? Could I do something good? Could I do something productive? And he's like, oh, I see a hill. What if I go run over there to that hill and then I'll like get some info. Has anyone seen the um, Netflix show? Wow. Do I know what the American name is? Is it like Baby's First Walk or something? Um, do you know what I'm referring to? Is it the one that they is parody on, on SNL? They do parody on, on SNL with, uh, with <laughs> boyfriends, actually. Um, <laughs> what, what is this video? I need to Old look enough. up the name of the actual Japanese show. It's a Japanese reality show. I think the English translation is old enough, which is like a very indirect translation. But the idea is that they send uh, toddlers off for the first time to go run an errand by themselves. So like, it's like a 20 minute show. And the whole show is the toddler gets like a shopping <laughs> list that says, go to this store and get onions and uh, a set of bowls or something. And then they go and they do some of it. And it's just about them like talking to shopkeepers for the first time and like trying to not get lost. But then on SNL, they do it with your boyfriend. On SNL, okay. it's like, that, can your boyfriend I need to watch that. get a shallot? without feeling overwhelmed <laughs> and the answer is no mikey day can't and i see the parallel you are drawing unfortunately will is having his old enough moment here <laughs> except 
for Nico is passed out. You know, Nico would not send Will to the top of a hill yeah. in Tartarus by himself. I think that's part of what is so, you know, like writers have to make a lot of choices. I think that the idea that Will's first section in Tartarus is by himself, not because anything bad happened, but just because Nico is asleep is a really strong choice because we yeah. needed this lull to pause and be like, okay, we're not going to have action for like whatever, five or six pages. We just landed in Tartarus. I think that's appropriate. But also we needed not just a lull for pacing reasons, but I think it's also so important to set up this arc that we're about to go on with Will that we're back in his head and then we get the full solo neurosis. That the um, thing that's triggering Will's neurosis is is sort of this this solo time. Will solo time, miss. Is this the first time Will has been alone from Nico this entire book? Because like every other time, like it's been Nico's point of view as Will's been asleep. I don't know. It's just like the first time Nico's been asleep and we've had just Will. I think aside from the whole nightmare sequence at the beginning, this is the real version of their fears of being like separated. Mm -hmm. But I agree. It was smart because it's also going to trigger the second Will went off. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to trigger Nico's abandonment issues. Abandonment (laughs) issues. Yeah. And like Will also Will was the one who was scared that Nico was going to like run across the river sticks without him. And now here is Will. Separate. It's like, it's like, let's split up gang. It's just, why would you, you cannot, you can't move ahead. He does make that little like hut for Nico before he leaves, like to give him a little bit of protection by like flipping the canoe upside down, which was just giving me such holes flashbacks, you know, at the end of holes when they're under the like canoe and they have the peaches. Don't forget about the Kit Kat bar. That that's important. He left on the Kit Kat bar. (laughs) Will's wandering up. Okay. So there's, there's, there's regeneration bubbles blobs embryonic sacs he's taking in a lot of information about tartarus and doing lots of observations he accidentally pops a stymphalian bird blob we remember that this is important these birds are triggering for him because it was like one of his first like demigod monster attacks back in the day when he got found by his satyr um and essentially uh an entire flock of them carries him away when we go to the next chapter we're back in nico's pv he wakes up there's no will but there is a strange satyr-like creature standing over him. So now we have this little side, almost a side quest, not quite a full side quest, where Nico is having to deal with this brand new character, which was um, fully introduced to us before the book even came out, if you guys remember. Yes. They did a whole heavily, profile. Heavily teased on the internet. Oh, yeah. They did a whole Reed Riordan article about this character, which is good because would Everyone- we have known who this is? No. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, raise your hands if when you read the Reed Riordan content, you were like, oh, this character is going to be a fun helper that we meet at some point along the way. That's what it came uh-huh. off as. It really did. I thought he was going to be in like, <laughs> they were going to meet him in the underworld and he was going to take him down to Tartarus and guide him through and like, you know, act as like the Grover of the group, I guess. Not the yeah. case. Maybe. Maybe that was a little bit profiling on our part uh, because mm-hmm. the character is sort of similar to a satyr, but I also feel like it was not profiling on our part because of the way the article was written and yeah. because of the broad implications about how we would feel about this character and the, I would say, depth and valence of emotional relationship we might have to this character. He makes me <laughs> so sad. Yeah, instead this character yeah. is uh, deeply depressing he's a lamian centaur i'm sure i didn't pronounce that correctly um this is a character who we get from the like nonis like the tales of dionysus that's kind of 
I think the only place in antiquity where these characters come up. He's like one of many um, that exist that are sent by Zeus to like watch over Dionysus as a child, but gets cursed by Hera. Like I think he was immortal and then he gets cursed by Hera into being this like half oxen creature, um, et cetera. That's kind of all there is to know about him. It's very unsettling to read because Nico is like, oh, you're looking for a baby. Okay, well, I'm looking for my boyfriend. Let's help each other. But then quickly Nico realizes that he has like a short-term memory loss situation going on and tells Nico to like walk across the Acheron River. And Nico's like, what the hell? And he just like walks across and it's fine. And Nico's like, okay. And then he walks across and then he's, you know, battling all his intrusive thoughts. And then um, he sees all these like rocks moving behind him. He thinks maybe he's dreaming. Amphidemus names the baby that he's looking for as Dionysus, which is like a very unsettling, like Nico's definitely feeling gaslit at this point. Like he's in a nightmare. Um, And then he realizes that Amphithemis is um, dead. And in particular, uh, page 316, Amphithemis was a soul obsessed with a task he could not complete, one he had died without fulfilling, and now he was repeating that cycle in obsession. Uh, and now he was repeating that obsession here in Tartarus in a never-ending cycle. Amphithemis was a mania. Where have we seen mania before? Reina, Reina Stad. Certainly the most prominent example, yeah. I, I feel like this scene was, again, set up strangely by the article, and as I was reading it, that that was what I was trying to reconcile the whole time on first read-through. Like, how how can I figure out what is going on with this character? Like, why are we why did we get a full article about this person or this Lamian Seder? And how does that correspond <laughs> to what is happening? Whereas I think that the scene is actually pretty successful if you think of it as like a slayful horror version of like Finding Nemo. (laughs) (laughs) Where Ellen is like scaring the crap out of us. Yeah. Can we get Ellen cast as Amphithemus? Like if Dory were like big enough to physically harm you and you realize that Dory doesn't just not remember what's happening, but also like was from 3000 years ago. Yeah, that's real. I think that okay call me delulu but when i was researching where this character comes from a myth and i was like oh it's specifically from like the tales of of dionysus delulu solo mr d book upcoming perhaps we're introducing this character and like like more stories from those books in antiquity these characters like aided him in his conquests of india which we also have nods to in um charles of apollo where we right. meet some characters Notably the Pandos. Perhaps, perhaps we are leaning into heading into the direction of the solo, solo Mr. D book. I would like that, honestly. I think there's a lot of unexplored stuff, especially with Mr. D. I think he's a great character who really needs to be explored more. He's so much more than just a jerk head of camp. I think, especially with Mr. D, I like to see him as he takes nothing seriously except mental health playing into the his like you know god of quote unquote madness role mm-hmm. i i do want to point out in this chapter i think that this is a good showcase of why nico and will are so good together because will's a healer his he tells us in the last chapter that his his desire what he wants to do what he likes to do is just to help people 
And Nico is the exact same way. Look at what he does with the Trogs. Look at what he does with Bob. He he goes around and he just helps people as much as he can. He sees people or beings he views like similar to himself, and he reaches out to them the way he wants to be reached out to. So I think it just showcases that at their core, like the sun and the sun and the star, Nico and Will are essentially the same. They both help. They just do it in different ways. And Will is being put in the situation where he is not as equipped to help people as Nico is. And also he doesn't maybe see everybody as people. Oh, we're going to get to a really good fight. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) With a great resolution. So in in the next chapter, we are like alternating Nico will POVs as we like go back and forth between the Stymphalian bird situation and Nico defending himself against Amphithemus, because unfortunately Amphithemus is having a bit of a manic episode. Will gets dropped by the birds, lands on some zits of some uh, oh, pronunciation, Cynocephali, um, which we'll remember from Tower of Nero. He was but one demigod in a soup of monsters. Wait, we have to point something out. We have Go to ahead. point something Go very ahead. important out. Nico got his scar. <gasps> oh my god. Nico face scar era. We love it. We love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't love to see it. We don't love Nico getting hurt, but like, it's cool. It's very cool. No, Nico face scar era. Like, it's hard to imagine that he doesn't already have a face scar. Yeah. It's true. We know he has those ones on his arm from the werewolf. What was it? Lycan? Oh. In Blood of Olympus? Mm-hmm. So now he's got matching ones on his face. Imagine if Nico turned into a werewolf in this book. Wouldn't that be kind of slayful? If he was the son of Hades and also a werewolf. Uh, what is that? Teen wolf vibes? Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I've never seen that show. I'm Me just either. going off what I've heard. Nico and Zuko are so similar, you know? They, yeah. they really, I think the face scar is a great time for us to really think for a moment about the similarities between the two of them. Yeah. They're prince of darkness energy. I'm just picturing Nico like laying out. All of his problems and Zuko just going like, that's rough, buddy. I would love to see some art. I would love to see some AU art. Fan art, please. <laughs> Let's do it. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Yes. Uh, something I really enjoyed in this moment where Nico is defending himself after like Amphithemus, you know, scratches and attacks his face when he's like kind of freaking out because um, he can't like touch Amphithemus, but um, Amphithemus Themis can touch him. And he's like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to get away from this person, this mania. He reaches into his pocket and he touches the embossed coin that we just found out about as we were talking to Gorgyra about these gifts that they gave to each other. So he like touches the coin that Will gave him and he's like, I'm going to make it back to Will. And then he sees like a flash of light that he assumes is Will. We know that that flash of light isn't Will because Will also saw that flash of light and it wasn't him. Who is the flash of light? It's Small Bob, the glowing undead saber tooth kitty cat tiger. He gives real flirkin vibes in this book from Captain Marvel. Oh. Changing back to a saber-toothed cat when he wants. I, I love it. Who would have thought that those cats from like a one-off joke from the Titan's Curse would come back in like this way? Yeah, that is some beautiful world building. You think it really does go all the way back to Titan's Curse, which is also where Nico goes all the way back to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow, joint origin. As uh, Will and, and Nico link back up, Will sends Amphithemus off in the direction of the Cenocephaly and being like, oh, Dionysus, he, he's over there, he's over there. And Amphithemus runs off. And that leads us to a very wonderful conversation, which I think we have to read the entirety of, starting on page 327. Nico pulled away. Why did you do that? 
leave you? Because you were sleeping, and I thought... No, I mean just now. Why did you send Amphithemus after them? He scratched small Bob behind the ear. It's not his fault he's the way he is. What are you talking about? I just saved us. But now he's going to continue wandering Tartarus forever. His spirit has clearly been trapped down here for millennia. Will's mouth dropped open. What was I supposed to do? You told me he was a mania. I thought they were bad. Nico sighed. I mean, sometimes, yeah. Like when Raina's father lost it and she had to kill him. But it's not like they can help it. I could have... I could have... You could have done what, Nico? You don't have any Imperial gold. What exactly were you planning on doing? I don't know. I didn't really get a chance to think about it since you sent him off after a bunch of monsters. So why are you mad at me? Who said I'm mad? Nico yelled. Well, excuse me for trying to save our lives. I'm sorry. Weren't you the one who abandoned me? Under a boat? The guilt smacked Will in the chest, and he tried to swallow it down deeper. Look, I'm sorry. He said quickly. I was trying to- And what exactly could you have done? You left me alone and defenseless. Nico's eyes filled with tears, and Will's stomach sank. Nico, I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. I just- I just got this idea in my head. It came so easily, and it was like I couldn't think of anything else. Hot tears poured down his own face. I thought if I found something that could bring us to Bob, you'd be proud of me. It was so stupid, I know. I never should have left you, but I didn't realize that this place had tricked me until I was surrounded, and- Then he burst into sobs, fear burning through him. He had lost Nico, hadn't he? He'd made a mistake so awful that Nico was going to leave him behind, abandon him in this terrible nightmare, and he deserved it. He'd earned it. This was where he was supposed to be, and... Nico put small Bob on the ground and approached. He wrapped his arms around Will and held him while he wept into Nico's shoulder. Will let it all out until he had basically soaked Nico's bomber jacket with tears and snot. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have snapped at you. The truth is, I figured this place had got you when you hadn't actually abandoned me. Will pulled away, sniffled, and then wiped his nose with the back of his hand. I did leave you a Kit Kat bar. Nico barked a laugh. You did. And it was delicious. Thank you. This, I think, is a very important conversation. Nico apologizes. Well done, Nico. I'm so proud of you. This is so great because (laughs) this is just a healthy fight. Like, yes, it's a fight, but they both apologize. They both talk it through. It's especially important because this is both of their major fears come up to the front. And also Nico, I think it's important that Nico isn't just like silently brooding and not telling Will what he's annoyed about. You know, mm-hmm. sorry I snapped, but at least he <laughs> said what he was angry about because he could have spent the rest of this book pissed off that Will just threw Empathemus to the wolves without saying anything about it. But instead he actually, you know, let it out and he talked and it must have felt really good for him just to get that off his chest. Yeah. And the more time Will spends down here in Tartarus, the more he is going to see the culture and ecosystem of this place. And I think really finally, by the end of this set of chapters, come to recognize it for being like a valid place. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's important for us to place this conversation where it is. You know, like we're already most of the way through the book. So this has been brewing for a while. And I think that there have been a lot of seeds planted for readers. But also, this is the beginning of our journey through Tartarus, where things are ratcheted up, you know, different in both magnitude and in category, in terms of the otherworldly 
and horrific qualities of uh, the environment and the uh, beings that we're going to be interacting with. I think it is interesting that Nico's language is not necessarily super precise because they are having a fight. Mm -hmm. And he is just kind of saying things that he hasn't had time to necessarily think through and package very neatly into the most (laughs) clear and precise language. Like, there's no version of this conversation where Nico is going to say something like, I don't think that you are categorizing, like, the right beings into personhood and yeah monstrosity or something like that but i think that this is a good way of setting the flag for the reader to be like oh nico is identifying with this being that is a quote-unquote monster and did also just try to attack him and why and how do we sit with that and like honestly at this point like who's the reader leaning more into nico or will's perspective when it comes to this disagreement about how to handle this and the fact of that ambiguity being probably the most effective thing to lean into as opposed to like a very clear ideological diametric opposition that we're being presented you know for it to be more of like an emotional visceral like nico i wanted that doesn't feel good to me why i think we need to sit with that and will being like I thought that that was the only way for us to do this. I'm confused. There's also like a difference in the way a mania is described in here and in Blood of Olympus. I don't have a copy of Blood of Olympus in front of me, but I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. they were described as like a person's worst qualities come to life. Nico said, I think a person fades away until they're only their worst qualities. And in this book, it's more described as like just someone who is obsessed with a task that they didn't finish when they died and i think that's a much kinder way of looking at it yeah Mm -hmm. because it's showing that mania aren't inherently bad they need help which is why nico was so upset that will did what he did to amphithemus again showing that not everything is so black and white yeah, and also because Nico is, you know, he he sees the underworld like as his domain, and he he definitely cares for the souls of the dead. I think they feel like his responsibility to him, and a mania is like mm-hmm. a weird something that kind of falls into that domain but doesn't, and is like an interesting case. So it makes sense that he would be feeling like concerned about and like confused about how to handle this. And having this conversation with Will prompts them to be able to talk a little bit more about Will's, about Nico's like confusion about who this um, Amphithemus is. And as they're talking about him being like corporeal, incorporeal, this is on page 330, just a couple pages later, Will frowned, the boundaries between life and death, solid and incorporeal seemed so blurry here. Tartarus and the underworld were not as black and white as he'd thought. And that's really... That's big. That's huge. This boy is learning about gray area. We love to see it. We do. And we've been waiting. It's hard for somebody who's never had to see gray area to be able to acknowledge it and be like, oh, wow, things aren't as simple as I thought they were. And this is uncomfortable. And even Nico is uncomfortable and feels strange about this. And the best thing I can do is acknowledge that this is uncomfortable and strange and like sit in that uncomfortable strangeness with him. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think beautiful. Will especially, because Will has been centerpiece in conflicts where there's clearly a good guy and a bad guy. He heals the good guys. And down here, he can't heal. He never really learned how to fight. And he is learning that, especially down in the underworld, right and wrong, good and bad, get jumbled together. Exactly. That's a big journey to go on. Mm-hmm. All right, and then Will <laughs> starts to have another like spiral breakdown, and Nico's like, "No, no, 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 we're not doing that again." 
that's a direct quote. Um, <laughs> I know you didn't mean to leave, and I know that you were still looking out for me, or else you wouldn't have left that Kit Kat behind. Actions, you know? I'm just picturing Will walking around with, like, his cargo shorts, and one of the pockets is entirely full of Kit Kat bars. Bulging. <laughs> Will lays down to take a little rest, which he's going to do a lot of here in Tartarus. Makes sense. Um, as Nico and Small Bob stay on the lookout. And then we're going to take a quick break here. We are back. Uh, chapter 35, we're in Nico's point of view. And here's where we're getting some real House of Hades. Like the next couple chapters are there's a lot of like deeply luscious description of the uh, natural world and realm of Tartarus. This is uh, the very start of the chapter on page 332. The ground shuddered and Nico waited to see if Will would wake up, but he continued to snooze soundlessly. Had that shudder been Tartarus taking a breath? He hoped the protogenos would remain in slumber. He had no desire to face him like Percy and Annabeth had, especially not since he already had Nyx to contend with. The word protogenos just sounds so cool. Like, it just gets me excited. <laughs> yeah. I just thought this was funny, contextualizing, like, the journey we're going on here. Like, <laughs> we're not facing Tartarus, you know? And, like, that's okay. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. they are not going to have the same, like, big boss battle at the end of this book that Percy and Annabeth did. That's just not the situation. It's a different big boss battle. It's a different big <laughs> boss battle. There's a quote later that's like, and this is even worse. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Will wakes up. We have a little chit-chat. We acknowledge face scar nico era and will is like i think it makes you look more intimidating and nico's like okay slay um i could always go for more intimidating and i thought this was so cute i literally had this exact conversation with my friends yesterday <laughs> where one of them was like i think you were like really intimidating upon first meet to the other one and the other one was like thank you so much for saying that that really means a lot to me <laughs> <laughs> Um, they agree not to split up again. Nico is like, oh, I know what to do. I know what's going to make you feel better. I'm going to, we're going to charge you up with your sun lamp, but then the sun lamp doesn't work. Whoa. That's real horror. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Broken sun lamp. Whoa. That's, I, that, that's I, like horror realism. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think it's just Tartarus itself is such a hostile ecosystem to like foreign entities that sunlight has no place there. That's like a magic sun lamp, right? I will say, as, especially after House of Hades and especially after how it's described in here, I wouldn't mind, you know, going down to visit Tartarus. It sounds like a really interesting place. Like it does. It just sounds, I, I'm a sucker for some new ecosystems, you know? Well, if Nyx had gotten the whole tourism thing off the ground, then. Exactly. Like you get. You can meet Nyx, the, the protogenos of night. You can stand on the edge of chaos. like You can take like a lazy river ride down the Acheron. Exactly. Which we're about to do. <laughs> because if you remember, the trogs were like, what you need to do is take a shortcut and mm -hmm. then find Damasen. Find mm -hmm. his hut. He, 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 should he might be there. And if he's there, he can help you. So they presume that this means they're literally going to follow the Acheron, get back in the canoe um, to get back to the swamp. And they're gonna like let small Bob lead them there. I thought that was a very cute idea that like the swamp that Damason lives on is a swamp that is like created out of the waters of the river Acheron. And what that's, that means for his character. That who just was, makes like, me feel bad living, for him. He was living this like eternal punishment, right? Where like every single yeah. day he was having mm -hmm. to fight his same enemy 
as he like lives on the banks of the river of punishment and intrusive thoughts, you know, as he like cannot escape his greatest shame. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't know if that was intentional, but that's really, that's really sick. (laughs) They are following the cat further deeper into Tartarus. Wow. I really, the more that I think about it, the more I'm like smoke Bob, I think was really ahead of his time. His time. In terms of like the, I don't even want to say Disney sidekickification (laughs) or even Ghibli sidekickification because there's something like, I feel like now when I hear this description, like, oh yeah, sure. We're following the magical cat who knows where to go. That also can turn into like a saber toothed tiger that can fight better than either of us. That sounds something that's like Mm -hmm. a little trite. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, is it? No, it's also incredibly appropriate for the situation and old. Like this small Bob really was first brought to us as an idea in like 2006 or something. Yeah. I think more along the lines of Binks from uh, Hocus Pocus. Do you not know? I've never seen Hocus Pocus. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. Someone will get that. Small Bob has a personality. He's very specific. Yes. He does feel like a character in his own right. And I... I'm not usually a cat person, but I would be a cat person for Small Bob. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel like there's a whole story there because the last time we saw him, he was facing down an army of monsters and Tartarus itself. How did he get away? What happened? Did they just not consider him like large enough to just keep in a bubble? We don't know. Getting ahead of myself. We don't know what happens to Jameson. We know what happens to Bob. How did Small Bob get away? Call me Delulu, but Small Bob solo novel? I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. Once we get the Raritan verse of Madness, yeah. we're going to have the like Disney plus Marvel TV showification of the Raritan verse of Madness. So everybody and their mother can have their own spinoff. He's going to get know? like exactly. a small spinoff. Small Bob is going to have like an eight episode miniseries. With Small Sims. Bob isn't going to have an eight-episode miniseries. I think the format should be different. I think they should be six-episode, <laughs> ten-minute animated clips. No yes. voice acting. Of Thomasen, like a grumpy old man and his little, little cat. It's like that I Am Groot series. And stop uh, the motion. The inspiration I'm thinking of specifically is um, th- there is a Big Hero 6 follow-up animated series. That oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I know that. That is just Baymax helping different people. And at the end, you're like, wait, actually, these non-linear vignettes were actually connected. Um, and we have a greater story about revitalizing our belief in healing and community. And they can go do that around Tartarus. That miniseries is phenomenal, by the way. <laughs> it really is. It's so good. I watched it and I was just like, this is great. Like, why why can't we get more of this? Yes. Healing TV. I've been pushing for this for a long time. I just want Rick to write, like, I don't know if either of you have read Cursed Carnival. I want that, but for, like, Rick Roden characters. Just get a bunch of different authors, have them write a bunch of different solo stories, every single character you can think of. I, I, I want that. Please. Please, Rick. If you're if you're listening to this, you should do it, you know? It's kind of like Nine from the Nine Worlds, right? Exactly. That was so much fun. Like, yeah. Rick did such a good job with that. And it, it, it told so many different stories about different characters. Yeah. And I think it would work even better with specifically rick Roden characters like we could get yeah. one about drew one about hazel like oh. we need to like recontextualize some of the characters yeah we need another camp half-blood chronicles with exactly. all the new people yeah but also if we could mm. get mark back to collab with rick on like a nine from the nine worlds but it's like 10 from tartarus and it's all the characters that we meet yes. in this book going that about would... their daily lives creating like socialism in tartarus you know yeah <laughs> we we need the trog book please yeah i unironically would read that like I love the Trogs yeah. so much. 
They are my favorite. If we could see Menoides like having dinner with the Trogs, how cute. Like Garion and Menoides, hear, hear me out. It's a potluck, right? It's a barbecue. <laughs> We're at the ranch. The Trogs are coming over. Menoides and Garion are hosting. Like maybe Nemesis yeah. is there. I think a podluck is a good organizational device because yeah. each oh, yeah. mini story is following somebody cooking their own dish and <gasps> the hijinks that they get into gathering ingredients in Tartarus, probably, or the underworld. This and is somebody, genius. At one point, somebody gets to like one of those food altars and they're like, please guys, we really need some cumin. Like you got to send us some cumin down here. <laughs> and Annabeth is like, what is this? Writing a note, note to Connor, getting? <laughs> Connor cumin, Stoll. Cumin. And then we get a story of Connor and Travis like stealing cumin from Kyron's secret stash. Then like Nico and Will come down to visit. Yeah. Th- that's genius. Carter, you're a genius. She can make like a Kit Kat casserole. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Kit Kat casserole. Yeah, you know, like a dessert casserole where it's like whipped cream and then like one layer is like Kit Kats one layer no I feel like this is something that somebody would say as like a parody of like what the American Midwest is like but um I is this real (laughs) I feel like I didn't just make that up I don't think I imagined that anyway fanfic writers slash Mark and Rick fanfic is a Kit Kat casserole how about that (laughs) hear us okay we've got we've got one more chapter oh my god I see Kit Kat lasagna Kit Kat (gasps) lasagna but it doesn't actually have like it doesn't have like noodles in it, does it? It's a dessert. Yeah, okay. no, it's yeah. not. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, dessert lasagna is a real thing. Really? Wow! Like layering, layering candy bars and 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 creams and things. Oh yeah. I do want to shout out the voices because the voices are voicing because we're back on the Acheron now. As Nico kept pushing the boat while bracing his legs on the bank, soon it started moving, floating on the Acheron, while tormented voices calling out to Nico, assuring him that he too would have his own place among them. He vaulted over the hole and rolled over onto his back, breathing hard. You are the ghost king, a voice said. I am, Nico thought. This is where you belong. But then Nico raised his head looked at the other two passengers, Will, whose face was strained as he reached down with a shaking hand to grab at him. Nico took it, gripped his boyfriend's hand tight, and thought, no, this is where I belong. Then Nico lay there, staring up at the blood-red sky, while the three of them drifted down the river of pain. Not to overperse about this, but I do think that the hand <laughs> reaching out to grab him and like pull him you know, up into the boat is not an unintentional callback to Annabeth pulling Percy out of the sticks and then Annabeth and Percy like finding one another when they land in the Kakaitis, you know, in Paris. Yeah. Annabeth and Percy did um, invent handholding. It's true. Oh, Percybeth literally, <laughs> they invented handhold. They invented grasping hands. They invented rivers. <laughs> they created rivers as like an icon of romance and danger. Exactly. Where do you think thrill ride of love came from? They They invented that. Whoa. This is they literally did invent rivers. It's actually true. I was joking, Mike, but I take it back. <laughs> might we think about this little Acheron lazy river ride as Solangelo's tunnel of love? <laughs> okay, last chapter for today. We get into 36. So we saw Nico just then like kind of shove the voices down and be like, yeah, I'm the ghost king, but like here I am with my boyfriend and you're not going to get me. Um, this chapter opens up. Eventually, the voices of the punished souls became a sort of background noise for Nico. Though they were certainly more insistent, they reminded him of his own internal voice, the one that always told him negative things about himself. What difference did a few thousand more make? I love the focus on the River of Pain specifically, because it feels like we know 
more about every other river of the underworld because the Kakaitis was a big deal in House of Hades. The Phlegathon was a big deal in House of Hades. And now we get like the River of Pain specifically. And I think it's an interesting choice to have that with Nico and Will like as the focus, especially with Nico, mm-hmm. because he is, I think, considered one of the darker characters in the series, especially with the blood of Olympus, Bryce. Lawrence I was going to say TBT to murdering Octavian. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we kind of don't address the whole will calling him a murderer thing. <laughs> well, we drift along the river to the tune of Lizzie McAlpine's all my ghosts do stream it. It's on our Nico playlist, which is in chronological order. I put it on there sometime around this chapter when I was reading the book. So go listen to our Nico playlist. I'll link it in our show notes. They drift along the river. Will takes another nap. And this is where we get some of that lush, scenic description. Oh my gosh. Lava flows spread over Tartarus like veins. This is the circulatory system carrying fire and hatred throughout his body. We get into this like like desert wasteland um, where there are like described bone white Joshua trees thorny bushes and skeletons of cacti that's so sick what do we think a skeleton of a cacti is is it just the thorns or really excellent question <laughs> like it sounds really cool you know when you see a leaf that is like disintegrated yeah yeah oh it's like that oh, but like barely yeah. like standing like paper thin like blowing in the wind i don't know like you're oh, imagining yeah. the yeah. um the circulatory xylem and phloem being and, the only know, things I'm, that are left sure i'm <laughs> nodding yeah it's been a long time since i took a regular bio carter <laughs> not even bio honors this made me think of course of people who live in los angeles because people who live in los angeles love a joshua tree oh absolutely <laughs> you know how hell is in la tartarus is just joshua tree <laughs> uh, do, we think, do we think those joshua trees have dryads yeah, they oh the tar- do the Tartarus Joshua trees have Tartarus dryads? That makes my mm. brain hurt. Joshua that trees was a really hurt. hot dryad, right? Am I getting he was, he was, was the really hot dryad? Hot he was the hot one that Apollo was like, Meg, you need to stop thirsting over Joshua tree. It's really <laughs> embarrassing for you. And then he goes and thirsts for Joshua tree. <laughs> that was actually pretty iconic in retrospect. Wow. It really um, was. <laughs> you said it was iconic when it happened too carter well yeah but also in retrospect (laughs) i totally recommend this is the chapter i totally recommend a reread of for all of the gorgeous scenic imagery Mm -hmm. we're floating along something is following them nico is hearing like splashes he's seeing like little eyeballs glowing um we're like seeing shadows moving around pretty spooky um and as the boat floated toward the next pass oh this is this is the section that I referenced briefly earlier. Um, As the boat floated towards the next past, the walls of the mountains rose high above them. Nico recalled Percy's stories of facing Scylla and Charybdis with Clarice LaRue, and he knew that this predicament was far worse. That just felt like so much shade. Nico, like, calm down, maybe? He was like, yeah, you know, that was bad. This is worse. Yeah, Nico's like, you know the Odyssey? It's worse for me. (laughs) (laughs) Especially to reference something that happened to Percy when he was 13 and like fully before Nico was around and aware of being a demigod. Just being like, I heard a story about this, that Percy did that. 
But like, no, no. Like, oh, Percy thought that was scary. I bet Percy thought that was scary. <laughs> and he specifically mentions Clarice too. It feels like there's some there's some beef between them. That feels like shade. Yeah. 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 It does also feel like Odysseus shade to be like, you remember Charybdis and Skella from from Percy and Clarice. Exactly. Percy and Cl- Percy invented the Odyssey. <laughs> All right. Again, with the glowing eyes, the small splashes. Nico being like, "Who are they? What do they want? Why hadn't they attacked?" And then we see mangroves, which is how we know that we're in a swamp. And we're like, "Oh my gosh, we made it to the swamp." Let's see. This is page three forty-eight. This is where Will really has the the culmination of this little arc we've been following, um, where he had his little spiral meltdown, and then they had a confrontation about it. And then he was like, wow, maybe things aren't so black and white. And now we reach this beautiful place, which even Percy and Annabeth shocked them, right? When we first got to Damasen's hut and his little home and the swamp, we were like, how could something so beautiful and pure and cozy and warm exist in this like putrid, awful, horrible place? Um, and it is also really opening Will's eyes. So this is the swamp. It's sort of peaceful here. Peaceful. Nico spat out some more phlegm. Really? I don't know. In its own way. It's so quiet here. And the longer I'm in the underworld, the more I have to accept it's nothing like I thought it would be. What do you mean? He gestured to the mangroves. It's like in Persephone's garden. There's no sunlight at all, and yet these plants all seem to be thriving. Nico fidgeted in place. Well, yeah, like I said before, life finds a way, even here. Will stepped closer to Nico. I've been kind of close-minded, haven't I? That bothered you. And so have a lot of other things I've said, right? Nico shrugged. That's not a big deal. Will rolled his eyes. I knew it. I'm fine, I promise. Nico... I can always tell when you're upset, and we're in a place where being upset is actually a very bad thing. Small Bob mewed softly at Will's feet. See? Even the cat agrees with me. Nico looked like he was going to give Will a sarcastic reply, but he pressed his lips together, then sighed. I just feel like sometimes you haven't been willing to see the underworld through my eyes. Through your eyes? I don't know. It's complicated. I get why this place scares you, and it's not like I love Tartarus or anything, but the underworld is, well, it's like a second home for me, and it hurts to hear you talk about it like it's evil. Death isn't evil, it's just death. Will thought about that for a moment. Nico did have a point, and Will's mind immediately offered up a memory. The sight of Persephone glowing with beauty amid a garden that was most picturesque thing Will had ever seen. Her words came back to him, too. A god or demigod so surrounded by death. They seemed to appreciate life more than anyone else. The underworld was populated by death. That didn't make it evil. The troglodytes had helped them. So had Menuides and Amphithemus. He was more victim than assailant. There was so much life in this place dedicated to the end of it. Maybe that's what Nico meant. Somehow the underworld was like like a spark of hope in the darkness. I know it's not all evil, Will said finally, and he took Nico's hand. It's just, I guess it's hard for me to adjust to it all, but I'm trying. Do you believe that? Nico examined Will's face. Yeah, he said, 
and it warmed Will's heart. I, I think you are. I still think Tartarus sucks. Oh, I agree. It's... <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Wow. So the book's over now. As far as I was concerned, like this is the emotional end of this push and pull that they've been on. (laughs) At least Will's journey. I was like, okay, Will is rap. That's a rap on Will. Like Will just leaves. There he goes. He's done. He's served his purpose in the story and and bye. Now he should be he should be able to just be kind of like supportive and 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 fine from now on, you know? Exactly. And it took a while, right? Like like really you can see how how impactful his conversation with Persephone was. Mm -hmm. He references it multiple times in this conversation. I love that conversation. It's it's bumped Persephone up to one of my favorite goddesses. Oh, yeah. It's such a beautiful conversation. And especially the way, the kind of reframing of the underworld. Because we've been to the underworld a lot in Percy Jackson. And I think it's so much different from each perspective. Like, Nico sees the good in it. Nico sees, like, life, ironically. it's It's really beautiful, I think. Absolutely. This just felt very cathartic mm-hmm. to witness Will walk through this and to get mm-hmm. to walk through it with him. From here, the dog men are back. Um, Nico summons some, accidentally from the ground, some woolly mammoth goat creature monsters. Um, and that's where we're going to leave off for today. Final thoughts, y'all? Who told Nico the damn it joke? You're Nico, so right. Nico does say, damn it, at the end of this. Someone must have told him. I think it was Percy. And it's spelled D-A-M. D-A-M, yes. Okay. I don't know that there would have been any time for this. And I can't think of when it would have happened, but I think Talia told him. Really? I Absolutely. <laughs> Talia is the one. And because, you know, I still, I have, we have one friend, Alex. She's a former mm-hmm. guest on this podcast. She um, is how I will always and forever picture Talia and I can just see her like noticing like that everybody is having a group laugh and seeing like one sad kid in the corner and pulling him aside and being like I'm gonna explain to you the inside joke okay yeah and they're you know come over here and laugh like you knew it all along (laughs) yeah I think she's an ally like that I like that one or I like um Percy telling Annabeth and then Annabeth tells Hazel in one of her attempts to like cheer (laughs) Hazel up after the whole, you know, don't go save your brother instead. And then Hazel tells Nico. So it's sort of like a conversation train. Telephone. Telephone. That's that's the word. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Carter, you look like you're formulating a theory. I think Talia is the most likely, actually. I love how is we all true? agree it wasn't Percy. It definitely was not Percy. <laughs> if someone told, it wasn't Percy. I feel like Percy would be like, guys, come on. That's our inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> He's given a chance to explain it in Mark of Athena when he's like, we have a damn hole. And he just doesn't. Someone says, what does that mean? He's just like, oh, it's just an inside joke. You don't get to know. You're not You're not a part of the club. It's like the Tartars club, but the damn club. That'll be the Q&A question for this episode is, who do you think told Nico about the damn joke? So if you're listening on Spotify... Scroll down and go and answer that with your theory. Um, and while you're doing that, Trevor. Yes. you want to tell us if you think Prisabeth is the greatest love story ever told? I do think it is the greatest love story ever told. No matter what I watch, whether it's like like Good Omens, whether it's like The Little Mermaid, no matter what couple I see, 
it's all compared to Persebeth. So Persebeth is the greatest love story of all time. I think they actually, you know, invented the concept of love. Here we go. They actually also invented time. <laughs> In the beginning, there, there was Persebeth and then the universe. Yes, they invented article adjectives. They invented superlatives. They invented me. <laughs> they invented us. And they certainly invented this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trevor, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a First lot of fun. time guest? Yes. Will you promote your work now? I will. I'm on Twitter at Just a Media Guy. I'm on pretty much every social media at Just a Media Guy. I have a letterbox, Just a Positive Guy. And my website is justamediaguide.com. I have a lot of reviews up. Since the strikes are going on, I have a bunch of TV show and movie reviews on the back burner. But I have gotten some interesting arcs or advanced reader copies of books, specifically a bunch of the Rick Rorden Presents books coming out this year. Woohoo! So I'm happy to talk about those when they come out. Yay! Rolling with the RRP arcs. Let's go. I was at work when I got the email that I got approved for those. I about lost my mind. It was Aww. it was nuts. All right, make sure you follow Trevor um, in all of Trevor's endeavors. Say hi if you go to the uh, Texas uh, Chalice of the Gods tour. Yeah, come say hi, you know. Until next time, everybody. Bye, Bye. all. Bye. Bye.